Good morning. Thank you for being here today. We are in a series, if this is your first time here, a four-week series called I Am Weak, But He Is Strong. The whole idea behind this series is that our weakest opportunities or our weakest moments are perfect opportunities to experience the strength of God. So last week we looked at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So we talked last week about the fact that we are not strong, but the one who lives in us is. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We're just fragile containers that, that hold an eternal treasure. That was last week. Today, we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians 4 because through this whole series, it's an exposition of 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. And so let's go back to 2 Corinthians 4 and look at the very next verses after verse 7, primarily focusing on verses 8 and 9 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In this text, Paul talks about the problems that we face and the power of God that he found in the midst of his problems. Would you stand in honor of God's word today as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9? Paul says, notice the very first word is the word we, not I. So this is not just his testimony, he's writing about others as well, which would include you and I. And so he says in verse 8, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Father, in the name of Jesus, may you show us the, the hope that is found in this text, and may you use this word to help folks who are struggling with the problems of life. And I ask that in Christ's name. Amen. As I was reading this text and the verses that follow as well, it occurred to me that it, it seems like he's saying God's purpose in your life and mine is that we live in such a way that people are actually baffled when they look at us. That we live our lives in such a way when we're experiencing the struggles and the trials of life that people are actually baffled when they look at us. When, when people at school or people at work look at you, they should see what you're going through and be able to say, you know, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I know him. I, I know her. I, I know that they're an ordinary person, but I don't understand how they could have such an attitude. I don't understand how they can have such great faith. I, I don't understand how they can handle this trial, this tragedy, as remarkably as they are handling it. When, when the world looks at Christians, they ought to be baffled by what they see as we go through trials. In fact, that's exactly what Paul's talking about in verses 10 and 11. He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed where? In our bodies. And look at verse 11. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that, and I've underlined this in my Bible, maybe you want to underline it in yours, so that his life 
may be revealed in our mortal body. You see, our goal is to let others see the power and the strength that we have is that it's coming from God and not from us. Our goal is that when we do go through trials, when we do go through tragedies, when we do go through heartaches, the goal is to let people see that the strength that I have, the, the remarkable strength that you see in me is not mine, that what you see in me is coming from God and not from me. Now, let's, let's all agree on something. Hardships and problems are a constant in life, aren't they? They really are. They're just a reality of living in a fallen world. And our task as followers of Jesus is to magnify Jesus in the midst of the problems. You know, Nationwide has it right. Life comes at you fast. Unexpected problems can shake you to the core. Unexpected problems can wreck you emotionally and even cause you to question what you believe in. Maybe cause you to question what you have believed for years. Life comes at you fast. Christians get cancer. Christians can go bankrupt. Christians can have difficulty and divorce and problems of every sort. You might be attacked because of your faith. You might be shunned by people because of a biblical decision that you make at work. You can get so disheartened in the midst of that kind of pressure and struggles. You can get so disheartened by the trials and the burdens that we grow weary from it. You can just get so overcome by the problems of life sometimes that we grow weary trying to deal with it all. I mean, have you ever got to the point where you just wanted to give up? Well, I sure have. Have you ever asked, what's the use? I have. I mean, it's so easy to quit when you get disillusioned. So easy to quit when you get discouraged. Quit on your marriage. Quit your job. Quit on your daily walk with the Lord. Maybe quit on something God's had you to do at church. We've all probably faced problems like that where where we've just felt tired. We just felt drained and and we struggled to keep going. We struggled to keep going forward and, and maybe you're facing that right now. Maybe some of you are dealing with those kind of issues right now. And if you're like me, you'd rather live life without seasons of pain. How about I would. How about you? I mean, if I could choose, if the Lord gave me a choice, I'd much rather live my life without seasons of pain. I'd like to, I'd like to be able to pass on some things. I'd like to be able to say, I, I, I prefer not to go through that. But let me ask you a question. What if, what if those seasons of pain are times when God does His greatest work in our lives. You see, we all want to see the power of God in our lives. We all do. But most of us want to see the power of God in our lives, but we want it to come out of untroubled, peaceful, calm circumstances. We want to see the power of God in our lives. We just want everything to be smooth. We, we want to see the power of God in our lives. We just want to be protected from everything. We want to see the power of God in our lives. We just want it to be an easy road. It's kind of like the, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney. I don't know if you've been there before, if, if you've been on that ride. Maybe it's been a while since you, you've been on it. I actually Googled it to remind myself what was on it. And you can Google and actually ride the ride, you know, and just kind of go through. The whole, now, don't do that right now, but later on you can do that. It takes about 16 minutes to go through the entire ride, and you can, you can just kind of ride along in the boat just by Googling it. But let, me, let me describe it to you in case you've forgotten what that ride is like. It starts off in the, 
in the Louisiana Bayou. You get in this little boat, and you're just kind of floating around. Everything's nice, and everything's calm, and, and you see the, you know, the, the old man on the porch and, and the restaurant, and you're just kind of floating around. It's a nice little boat ride through the Louisiana Bayou, and then the banjo music starts. I'll just give you a clue. Whenever banjo music starts in a movie, it's usually a bad thing. Bad things are coming when you hear the banjo. So you hear the banjo starting to play. And when you hear the banjo starting to play, all of a sudden it starts to get dark. And it gets darker and darker and darker. And then you hear this voice. It's a pirate voice. Arr, matey, get ready. And you know it's about to happen. And you go, all of a sudden, you drop down and all of a sudden... Things start to appear in the darkness. There are skeletons, and there are pirates, and there are cannons firing, and, and there's Davy Jones, and there's Blackbeard, and, and you, you, you're seeing all of this, and you're, they're going to shoot you, and, and all those kind of things. They're shooting at you, and the cannons are coming, all of those kind of things. And then you, you go through it all, and you get to the other end, and you get out, and it's like, I'm not hurt. You know, that's, that wasn't bad. Maybe it got a little wet. Maybe my hair got a little messed up. Well, maybe your hair got a little messed up. A lot of people think that's the way life is, or at least that's the way they want life to be. They get on the boat, and they just kind of go through life, and, and yeah, there's some scary parts, and yeah, there's some hard times, and, and yeah, there's, and you're just floating through all of that, and, and you expect that you're going to make it through, and it's really not going to touch you. You're going to see it explode around you. You're going to experience it, but it's really not going to touch you. And when you get to the other end, when you get to the other side, you're going to get out, and everything's going to be pretty much fine. Uh, it really hasn't hurt you that much. What if I told you that's not what God had in mind? I want you to look again at this text because as Paul describes his life, I think he's also describing the life of every follower of Jesus. And it is not a ride at Disney. Paul describes his life, and I believe every follower of Jesus, this way. He says, first of all, in verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side. That word picture is very picturesque here. It's the idea of pressing grapes. The, the Greek language there is the idea of pressing grapes. We are, Paul is saying, we are squeezed on every side. He was referring to the pressures in life that are hard to deal with. He said, I, just, I could feel it. I can, I can just feel the pressure. And maybe some of you are in a situation right now. You just feel the pressure. You, you feel the clamp around you. you can, and it's like it's from every side. You can't get away from it. You can't get free of it. And it's every day. You just kind of feel the pressure every day, wherever you are. And Paul said, that I've gone through that. Then he says, but that's not the end of the story. Because he goes on to say, we're hard-pressed on every side, but, what's the next two words? But what? Not crushed. It's interesting that when Paul listed the problems that he faced, he not only listed the problems in verses 8 and 9, he also listed a positive outcome for each difficulty. It was as if Paul was saying, oh, let me tell you the things that I've been going through, but let me tell you something else. There is something or someone that has kept me from going under. There is something or someone that has held me up through all of this. Look how he describes it again in verse 8. Hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Why not, Paul? Because I found that there is something or someone who seems to be helping me through this time. And then we would ask the question, well, who is that something or someone? 
If you read between the lines and if you read the rest of the text, of course, that something or someone is God. Paul was saying, listen, listen, listen. There are times in life when we are hard-pressed and we feel the pressure. He said, but I, here's one thing I found. God doesn't keep me from feeling the pressure, but, but God does keep me from being crushed by it. Then he goes on to the second thing, perplexed. There are things that happen in life that we don't understand. Times when we hardly know which way to turn. We are perplexed. We're in a bad situation. We're perplexed why God would let this happen. We're perplexed and we don't, we're at a loss as to what we should do next. We're, we are perplexed. We don't know which way to go. We don't know how to make this decision. We don't know how to, well, what the right step would be. Paul says, I've been there. It wasn't a Disney ride. I've been there. I've been perplexed. Perplexed as to why God allowed it. Perplexed as to what I'm to do next. But once again, that's not the end of the story. He says perplexed, but not in despair. Yeah, there's some things I don't understand, but I'm not in despair. I haven't given up, is what he means. Then he goes on to say persecuted. Verse 9, persecuted. All too often, Paul and his missionary associates knew what that was like. All too often, they were chased and persecuted by men who were like dogs on a hunt. Paul said, there's been times, and it wasn't a Disney ride, there's been times when I've been persecuted. And you and I need to understand that those times will happen for us as Christians. And ladies and gentlemen, they are getting ready to probably accelerate in our times as well. You see, when, when you try to live for Jesus, there will be somebody who doesn't like it. When you try to live out your faith, there will be somebody who will tell you to shut down, or sit down and shut up. When you try to live out your faith and carry your Bible to school or to work, there will be somebody who ridicules you for believing that book. Persecution is very, very real. Jesus said, they persecuted me. Don't be surprised when they persecute you. Persecution is simply when people turn against us. But even when people turn against us, Paul said, but I found this, persecuted, but I love these next words, but not abandoned. Not abandoned. Then in the last of verse 9, he said that they were struck down. You know anything about the Apostle Paul or his life, his ministry? There were times when Paul was literally struck down. There were times when he was literally knocked down. When he wrote those words, I wonder if he wasn't thinking about maybe that time when he was in Lystra. In the city of Lystra, he was stoned and left for dead, and it looked like he was a goner. He was, he was struck down. But once again, that wasn't the end of the story. He says, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul is saying, in each of these situations that I've been through as a Christian, all of them have been hard. All of them have been difficult. Some of them have been hard to understand. Some of them have been hard to wrestle with and live through. But in every situation, there was a strength that I suddenly found that I did not have that did not come from me. And I believe the reason that the Lord put this in, the, in this text is because He wants you to know the same thing can happen in your life. There's a Billy Graham magazine that years ago had an article, and I've got a copy of, of what was written in it. Uh, I, I don't know who wrote this. I, I don't know uh, their names. I don't know if it was a man or a woman. It really doesn't matter. 
But Billy Graham had an article in his Decision magazine. It was just a letter that they wrote in to Dr. Billy Graham. Just listen to this letter. Let me just read it to you. For a long time, I've been bitter about life. Now listen, this is what this person says. For a long time, I've been bitter about life. It seemed to have dealt me a dirty, a dirty blow. For since I was 12 years old, I have been waiting for death to close in on me. It was at that time I learned that I had muscular dystrophy. I fought hard against this disease and exercised hard, but to no avail. I only grew weaker. All I could see was what I had missed. My friends went away to college, and then they got married and started having families of their own. And I lay in bed at night, thinking, wondering, and despair would creep from the dark corners to haunt me. Life was meaningless. In March of last year, my mother brought home from our public library Billy Graham's book, World of Flame. I started reading it, and as I read, I realized that I wanted God. I wanted, there to be a, I wanted there to be a meaning to my life. I wanted to receive this deep faith and peace. And all I know is that now my life has changed, and now I have joy in living. No longer is the universe chaotic. No longer does life have no goal. No longer is there no hope. I continue to grow weaker. I'm close to being totally helpless, and I'm in pain most of the time. But sometimes I'm so glad that I'm alive, it's hard to keep myself from bursting at the seams. I can see for the first time the beauty all around me, and I realize how very lucky I am. Despair is such a waste of time when there is joy, and lack of faith is such a waste of time when there is God. I love that last sentence. Despair is such a waste of time when there is joy, and lack of faith is such a waste of time when there is God. You see, in the midst of the pain and the pressures and the heartache, in the midst of the perplexities of life, you can find a joy and a peace and a love that could never be explained in terms of you, but could only be explained in terms of God working in you. Now, thankfully, Paul tells us how that can happen for each of us. So I want to give you two things that Paul shares with us. I want you to write these down. How is it that we can handle these problems, how is it that when problems and problems and more problems enter our lives, how can we experience what Paul did? Paul tells us how that can happen in our lives. First of all, he says, you need to live in full and daily dependence on God. Live in full and daily dependence on God. Look how he describes it in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. You might want to underline that. We do not lose heart. By the way, he says the same thing in verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Paul says, in spite of everything, we're not going to give up. In spite of everything, we're not going to quit. We've found a way to make it through. We've found a way to keep going. We've found a way to go forward. So let's go back to the text again. Verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart. And look what he says, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly 
We're being renewed day by day. Now, there's two things I want you to grab hold of here. Two things in this picture that you need to see. He said, outwardly, there are some things happening to us. But at the same time that things are happening to us outwardly, there is something special happening to us inwardly. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, listen, listen. The secret that you're looking for is not that the things get better outwardly. The secret that you're looking for is that things begin to change inwardly for you. Outwardly, your circumstances may not get any better. Outwardly, your circumstances may continue. Outwardly, things can, the pressures can be very real. But inwardly, something can change in you that cannot be explained apart from God. The second thing I want you to see in this verse is how he describes when this happens. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed. And underlying this, day by day. Oh, you ought to put that in, just circle it, underline it, highlight it day by day. Paul is saying that the thing that will get you through these problems is to live in full and daily dependence on God. Day by day, full and daily dependence on God. Full and daily surrender to God. Day by day. Reading something recently by Charles Stanley, he said most of us think Christianity is something that we do. When we think of our Christianity, we think in terms of doing, don't we? We think in terms of reading our Bible and going to church and tithing and all those things that we do. We pray, we serve, those are things we do. And we're very, very focused as Christians on what we do. And Charles Stanley said, we assume that's the Christian life, but really it's not. It's part of the Christian life, but it's not the Christian life. You see, real Christian living is not about doing, it is about becoming. We are becoming more like Jesus. That's the goal. The goal is not just to be busy doing things. The goal is to become more like Jesus. So God brings us to times of brokenness so that we will live, watch this, so that we will live moment by moment, day by day, in full dependence on Him. Clayton King said it well, I read recently, where he said, sometimes hard times don't mean that you're messing up, they mean that you're growing up. I like that. Hard times don't necessarily mean that you've messed up, it might mean that you're growing up. It might mean that God's doing something in your life day by day, and day by day He's teaching you to depend on Him, and day by day He's teaching you to say no to self, and day by day He's teaching you to fully surrender to Him. Paul said, listen, all this stuff has happened to me outwardly, yet inwardly there is something happening in me as well. And inwardly is where I really need God to work. Inwardly. Day by day. Maybe. Everybody look at your pastor. Maybe. Just maybe. Maybe God is trying to teach you to live in full daily dependence on Him. You see, I really believe that God will at times use hardships such as a tragedy or, 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 or a, a trial to shake us out of our self-centeredness. Those unexpected hardships can often lead us to a season of intense clarity where we see what we have not seen before. He strips away things in those times and we begin to see things in a way we haven't seen them in a long time. 
We see our need of God in a way we haven't seen it in a long time. We depend upon God in a way we haven't depended on Him in a long time. We pray to God in a way we haven't prayed to Him in a long time. And it's because of what's happening around us outwardly causes us to see things differently as we daily decide to depend on more on Him and less on us. Secondly, number two. Paul says, if you really need this in your life, number two, don't look at the external, focus on the eternal. Don't look at the external, focus on the eternal. Verse 17 and 18, he spells it out for us. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is, is what, church? Temporary. What is unseen is what, church? Eternal. Write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Perspective is essential to endurance. Perspective is essential to endurance. What I mean by that is this. How you look at your problems is far more important than the actual problems that you have. How you perceive your problem is far more important than the problem that you have. When you have the right perspective on your problem, you can handle almost anything. So he says in verse 18, so we fix our eyes. And you might want to underline that one as well. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Paul says, there are some things I deliberately choose to focus on when difficult times come in my life. There are some things I I deliberately focus on, I fix my eyes on. When difficult times come into my life. Rather than look, oh, this is, this is good. Rather than looking at my problems, I look at the God who can solve them. That's what Paul is saying. I fix my eyes and rather than looking at my problems, I look to the God who can solve them. So if life is overwhelming right now, if life is scary or difficult for you, maybe it's time you stop focusing on your situation and start focusing on your Savior. Stop focusing on what you can't do and start focusing on what God can do. I fix my eyes. I can get so fixated on something that I don't realize. Listen, listen, maybe you've had this. I can get so fixated on my problem that I don't realize that God wants to, not, to do something not only on that which is, I'm fixated on, but more importantly, He wants to do something in me. Paul says, so I fix my eyes on on not what's external, but I try to fix my eyes on that which is eternal. So I want you to write this down. There's three things I want you to remember as I bring this to a close. Write these down. Please hang on to this. You're going to need this this week. You're going to need this next month. Write these three things down. Three things to remember. Number one, what you're going through has an end. What you're going through has an end. Number two, it has a reward. Number three, it has a point. What you're going through has an end. TTSP, this too shall pass. What you're going through has an end. It will not always be this way. It will not always be this hard. It will not always be this difficult. It will not always be this frustrating. It will not always be this heartbreaking. I know it feels like it will always be, but it won't always be like this. What you're going through has an end. Number two, what you're going through has a reward. 
If you're seeking the Lord Jesus and to serve Him alone and focus on Him, Paul says in verse 18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. He says in verse 17, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. All of this has a reward. Just remember, God's doing something. And you may not see the reward here, but you will one day. What you're going through has an end. It has a reward. And number three, it has a point. It has a point. God's not going to waste this. Neither should you. God's not going to waste this. It has a point. You see, God's primary goal is our ultimate good. Uh, not, his primary goal is not our comfort. His primary goal is not short-term happiness. God wants what's best for us in terms of eternity. Our ultimate good is His primary goal. As I was preparing this message, a song came on, and you know the song, I'm sure. But I was so moved by it, just as I was preparing this, I was so moved by it because it, was, it just came on at the perfect time that I had to print out the lyrics so I could sing it for you today. You know I'm not going to, right? Now listen to what it says. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace. Comfort for family. Protection while we sleep. We pray for healing. For prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. I, I prayed for all of those things. How about you? I prayed for all of them. All the while you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Then the song says, what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love, as if every promise from your word is not enough. And all the while, you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know that pain reminds this heart that this is not our home. So what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise. Paul said there, there are times when outwardly I'm wasting away. But inwardly, inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. Inwardly, God's changing me whether he ever changes my circumstances or not, inwardly, God's changing me. Would you join me as we pray? Whatever you're going through, dear friend, has an end. 
It has a reward. It has a point. Today I would ask you, I would beg you, I would plead with you, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Fix your eyes on the one who can help you. Fix your eyes on the one who can make a difference. Fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Father, I I know sometimes as we try to walk by faith, it is a scary thing. Sometimes as we walk by faith, it is very difficult and it is not a Disney ride. We don't come out safely on the other side. We come out broken. We come out hurting. Come out perplexed and wondering why you would allow this or what the next step might be. Come out feeling the pressures all around us. And yet at the same time, we are not abandoned. We are not crushed. We are not let down. We are loved. I pray, Lord, that you would enable these folks today, first of all, to make sure that they know you as Savior, that they don't just know about you, but they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that if, they, if there's somebody here they don't have that relationship, I pray that today would be the day they say yes to Jesus. And then I pray for those who are hurting and those who are struggling, and I pray they would allow you to do a work in them. God, for many of us, maybe all of us, we we are self-focused, self-centered, self-dependent. May today we just come before your presence and say, God, I am weak, but you are strong. I need your strength to get through this. I need your help if I'm going to make it. I am weak. You are strong. And may you do a powerful work in us as we fix our eyes on you day by day. In Jesus' name I pray.